in the new wave of medicines, they are producing methodologies wherein your own systems are induced to heal you. Uh, instead of giving you things that do the work, they give you things that make your body do the work uh, itself. In the same way, a sheikh, a teacher, is there to induce you to become your higher self. He's there as a catalyst to help you within yourself become your better self. Your better self is already inside of you. Your higher self is already inside of you. The various levels of wisdom are already inside of you. But they're dormant. They haven't been brought out into actuality. They need a little push. They need a little cajoling. They need a little love to bring them out. And this is the work of the teacher. He explains to you what it is that needs to be done in order to allow the higher parts of yourself uh, to come out. Uh, he explains to you that this world is illusory, that all of the things that you think are real are not necessarily real and have a way of disappearing. And if you hold on to things that disappear, very quickly you find out that you're holding on to nothing. It's like walking through the desert and seeing a mirage and thinking the mirage is water. And when you go to drink, all you get is sand. Well, this world is a mirage. And all of the things that you think have meaning and permanence and will give you things, you find out very quickly don't really have that quality. There was a uh, sheikh who had a disciple who was very wealthy. And the disciple used to come to him every day and uh, ask for a blessing. And he gave him blessings. Then one day, he took out a needle and he handed it to this wealthy disciple and said, take this needle, hold on to it, and when we get to the other side, give it to me. And the disciple took the needle home and he said to the wife, he said, the sheikh gave me this needle and asked me to give it to him when we reach the other side, after we pass. And his wife said, that's silliness. You can't take anything with you. So he took the needle the next day, and he brought it back to the sheikh, and said, my wife 
explained to me very clearly. We can't take anything with us when we go to the other side. So I brought you the needle back. And he said, oh, you realize now. So all of these things that you're hoarding, you can't take them with you. All of this money you've accumulated, you can't take that with you. All of these things that you think are going to help you, they're not. He said, well, then what should I do? And he said, use your wealth to help others. Use all that you've accumulated to give away so that you can become a force of good in this world. And that's what the sheikh does. He stimulates. He acts as a stimulant to bring out your better half. And he does it through examples, through speech, and through experiences that he gives you. They don't always uh, take. People need to be able to accept what the sheikh says and be able to follow through. There was a student who came to the sheikh every day. And at every talk, he would sit in the front row. And he said to the sheikh, Give me an experience of God. I know that you are a great holy man and you can do this. You can give me, a, you can make me have a vision of God. And the sheikh would tell him, I'm not really of the stature that you think I am. I'm just a servant of Allah. And every day he would come back and ask the same question. Now, this young man always wore a suit had beautifully combed hair, and had a very important position in the community where he worked. And he had many people under him. And he was very proud of his appearance. And he came back every day and always asked the sheikh uh, the same question. Give me a vision of Allah. And the sheikh said to him one day, if I tell you to do something, Will you do what I tell you? And the student said, of course, I'll do whatever you tell me. So the next day he came back and all dressed up and looking like he always looked. And the sheikh, after the meeting, said to him, uh, I have a task for you. Uh, if you do this, I think we can move forward. And he said, go to a barber tomorrow morning and shave your head. Uh the young man left and he never showed up again uh, to any of the meetings because he couldn't shave his head. He couldn't bring himself to do something like that because it was a big part of who he thought he was. Each of us have that part of who we think we are that we can't give up. And that's what we hold on to. That's the part of the world that we grab onto and hold close to us. It is entangled with our egocentric self. It's entangled within our vision of ourself. And if our vision of ourself is very well combed wavy hair, that glistens in the sun, it's very difficult for us 
to get rid of it. It's so difficult for us to get rid of it that even if it means seeing God, we can't get rid of it. And the sheikh tries to explain that in order to see God, not only do you have to give up your hair, you have to give up everything else. And it's in this giving up of things that you become more. But people don't quite understand that because they've been born into the rules of the world. And the rules of the world are such that you don't move forward by giving things up. You move forward by getting things. And the things that you get are always different for every person. For some people, they need power. For some people, they need fame. For some people, they need physical things. For some people, they feel that if their aggression overwhelms other people, they have somehow won and are somehow in a better place. But we are supposed to be Sufis. We are supposed to be people who are walking on the path of love, on the path that leads towards God, not the path that leads towards success in the world. And the rules for success in the world and the rules for success in the path towards Allah are not the same. On the path towards Allah, we need to be very slow to anger. And we need to be very quick to forgive. On the path of the world, we think that anger and tantrums make things happen for us. We think that forgiveness is a sign of weakness. We hold grudges. We don't allow ourselves to become soft. On the path of Sufism, what we're trying to do is have a melting heart, not a hard heart. And it's with a melting heart that we make our journey to Allah. It's with softness that we become close to the truth, not with hardness. This world was created because of love. And this world exists because of love. And Allah sustains this world through love. And if we separate ourselves from love, we have separated ourselves from Allah. And once we become hard and stubborn, we separate ourselves from our fellow beings. We create a shell around us wherein we somehow consider ourselves different and separate and we lose our ability to be to have empathy our ability to feel others if we can't feel the pain of others then we have closed ourselves off from our relationship with Allah if we can't feel the suffering of others we have closed ourselves off from our relationship with Allah. If we can't feel the hunger of others, we've closed ourselves off from the relationship from Allah. If we can't feel the pain of others, we've closed ourselves off 
from our relationship with Allah. And when we become hard-hearted, we cannot feel the pain of others. We can very well feel our own pain, and we strike out because of that, but we don't understand that the way our pain is going to be relieved is when we learn how to love. And until we learn how to love, our pain cannot be relieved. Because the only thing that can relieve our pain is God's love. And knowing God's love. And as long as we can't love others, we can't love God. It's a very simple rule. Very difficult to understand and very difficult to implement. But a very simple rule. We have to be able to love others, to love God. And as we love God, God loves us back. And cures us of all of our existential pain that occurs because we don't know him. And because of the difficulties of the world. People who love are satisfied. My wife, um, quite a few years ago, came to our teacher and complained to him that our little boy wasn't eating. And what could she do to get him to eat? And Bawa told her, he said he's not eating because he's so full of love. He's so full of love that he doesn't need anything else. So don't worry about his not eating. When he's hungry, he'll eat. But realize that you have a young boy who's very satisfied. And let him be in that state. We need to be in that state where we are satisfied. Where we don't need anything else. It's a difficult state to maintain ourselves in. But this is the state of the Ketubs. This is the state of the friends of Allah. This is the state of the saints and the holy people. And they come through our lives to show us people who are satisfied. People who have gotten to a place where they don't need things. What they need is love. And these people show us that love and begin to start the process of our understanding that the things that keep one satisfied in the world are not the physical things, not <clears throat> the things that are made of atoms. They're other kinds of things. They're qualities. They're qualities that you can't see, hear, feel, touch, smell, or taste. They're different than that. They're the kinds of qualities that overwhelm your being with satisfaction. That overwhelm your being with contentment. Because they come from that unending source. When we are within the egocentric self, we believe that we do things and that we can get things done. What's missing is 
the realization that everything happens to Allah, through Allah. And when we believe we are the doers, we're very limited in what can be accomplished. But when we give that up to God and allow God to be the doer in our life, then there are no limitations to what can happen. There are no limitations to what can be done. A man came to a sheikh and told him about all the things he had to do in this world and all of the things he was carrying and all of the situations he had to resolve and how difficult it was for him to to carry this immense burden that he's been given. And the sheikh looked at him and said, uh, before you were born, did uh, God take care of everything in the world? And he said, yes. And he said, and when you die, will Allah take care of everything in this world? And he said, yes. And he said, well, while you're alive, why don't you also let him take care of everything in this world? And that's the point. We seem to understand that God takes care of what's going on. But while we're here, we feel that we somehow are the actor in what's going on. And we're not. We're just the hand that is used by God because he doesn't have hands. We are here to do his work, and he is the one who takes care of all these things. So we need to learn how to live and do with God as opposed to without without God. And we have to learn what it is that we have to do and how we have to do it. There is, in the same way that there's a shariat for the orthodox, there's also a shariat for the Sufi. And the difference between the shariat for the Sufi and the shariat for the orthodox is subtle, but it's different. In, in, in orthodoxy, you can't lie. In Sufism, you can't think about lying. In orthodoxy, you can't strike someone. In Sufism, you can't think about becoming angry. You're not allowed to have anger. You have to be without that. And what you need to be able to see is that everything that is forbidden in the world has layers. And they all start from an intention. And the Sufi is supposed to cut the evil intentions from his being. And if you cut the evil intentions from your being, those intentions, if they existed, can't ever come to fruition. They can't come to reality. Because you don't have those intentions. So you can't be a hypocrite because you don't have the intention to be a hypocrite. You may not hurt anybody, but you may pray (laughs) that they run into difficulty. You may ask that their life becomes miserable. Well, that's your intention. And that intention could lead towards you being the cause of their misery. 
and the cause of bringing the difficulty to them. And once you begin to do that, you have lost your way. You have now become an implement of Satan as opposed to becoming an implement of Allah. You've become the hands of the whisperer instead of the hands of the truth. And we have to be very careful about that. We have to be very careful that we do no harm. We have to be very careful to stay away from harm. We are the ones who cover the difficulties of our brothers and sisters. Everybody falls. Everybody has a moment that they're ashamed of. But when we see that moment of shame, do we broadcast it? Do we run around telling everybody, guess what happened to him? With a certain glee? Or do we just let it go? A little girl came to the sheikh and said, I said some horrible, horrible things to my friend. I caused her great pain. And these things weren't even true. What can I do? And he said, here's a piece of paper. Take it and cut it into a hundred pieces and then put it on such and such a corner and then come back to me. And she did that. And the next day she came back and he said, now go to where you put the paper and get all the pieces of paper and put them back together again. And she went the next day to the same place. And the paper was all gone. The wind had blown it away and it was everywhere. And she came back to the sheikh and she said, I can't do it. All of the paper is gone. I can't put it back together again. He said, well, that's what words are like. Once you say them, you can't take them back. So the best thing is to just keep quiet. The best thing is to not say anything. Then you don't have to be sorry for the words that you said. And Allah is the silent one. Allah doesn't need to be defended. Allah is whole and unique within himself. And whatever we say or don't say isn't going to make any difference to his totality. So to be like him we need to be also silent, silent in criticism, silent in mocking, silent in causing difficulties to other people. These are the things that the sheikh tells us about and begins to implement in us. He's the catalyst that makes these things happen in ourselves. And once we begin to act in an appropriate way. Then we learn that this appropriate way is natural to us and soothing to us and makes life easier for us. Jesus said, the meek shall inherit the earth. And what did he mean by that? He meant the ones who are small are the ones who are going to gain the benefit. The ones who are small 
are going to gain the rewards. The ones who are small are the ones who act in God's way. They don't push things around. They don't push people around. They pull back from confrontation. They do all the things that you can imagine something meek does. We need to be meek towards the world, but strong and brave with Allah. We have to be able to handle the repercussions of the world. We need to be able to handle what the world hands out to those who are meek. The meek are susceptible to bullies. The ones who stay quiet are susceptible to the ones who are pushy. But Allah protects the ones who are able to take what's given the difficulties in this world. And if we rely on Allah's protection and live within our heart as opposed to within the world, we will find that our path becomes much easier. The less involvement that we have with the world, the more our involvement grows with Allah. I'm sure you've all seen hazmat suits. Uh, uh, stands for hazardous materials. When people walk in places where there are infections, they wear these suits so these suits can't infect them. Well, we need a hazmat suit to walk through the world because the world infects us. It infects us with its ideas, with its positions, and with all the opinions that different people have. You'll notice that the aggressive always have many opinions. Some of their opinions, they believe, will save the world. So they're willing to kill you in order to save the world. They're willing to do away with you in order that the appropriate things can occur. When communism came, um, it indicated that there had to be a period of disruption and turmoil in order to bring about a period of peace and tranquility. It's a lie. Aggression is not going to bring peace and tranquility. The only thing that's going to bring peace and tranquility is belief in God and belief in love. So we need to stay away from these worldly ideas of how to bring about peace and tranquility and understand that peace and tranquility are only available through Allah, not through the world. As we know this, we become different. And this is the point of what the Sheikh does. He's there to make you different. He's there to make you acceptable to the qualities of Allah. Love and Satan don't mix. And if you walk with the qualities of Satan, you can't mix with love. And if you can't mix with love, you can't mix with Allah. It is not complicated. So, if we call ourselves Sufis, we have to be lovers. 
we have to be the ones who understand that love conquers everything. It may take a little longer, and it requires patience, but love will win in the end. Aggression will never win in the end. So, in the words of the old spiritual, I don't study war no more. And that's the point. We're either at war or we're at peace in everything that we do. And if we've accepted to give up war, we should at the same time accept that we've accepted love and we should practice love in this world. May it be so for each of us. May love be easy for us. May we understand what love does for us and may we follow the road of love directly to Allah. Amin. Amin. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa